We're back for another episode of the Lowdown Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren A. Jones of the LA Sentinel and Lojo Media. I am joined today by Tanya Ganguly of the LA Times, Lakers beat reporter. And she's had an extensive past in the sports field, but now she's taken her talents to LA, similar to some of our stars on the roster. Uh, Tanya, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So you are one of the very few and chosen beloved Lakers beat reporters. And I just wanted to start with how you got your start in writing and where uh, this is taking you to the um, Lakers beat. Um, I started, uh, I guess I started in college. Um, I didn't really go into college knowing what I wanted to do. And I was, um, I worked for the school newspaper. I covered football at Northwestern and got to do a little, that was, that felt like I felt like having a professional job a little bit because I was covering a Big Ten team and got mm-hmm. to go to all the Big Ten schools and be around reporters who were doing that professionally. And so I, that's kind of how I started to learn. Um, I've lived all over the place. I lived in Orlando. That was my first internship, my first like full internship. And then I worked in Kentucky at the Courier Journal. And then I worked back in Orlando, Jacksonville, Florida, covering the Jaguars. Um, Houston covering the Houston Texans. So I covered football for a long time before coming back to LA to cover the Lakers. And of those experiences, uh, you know, what do you think was maybe one or two of those jobs that really prepared you to cover a team like the Lakers? Well, I don't think anything, there's nothing like covering the Lakers. Like it's so different from it's so different from any team I've covered. So I wouldn't say, but I think you learn things along the way. You learn about, I mean, you know, covering football, you learn about how to, how to develop relationships with different people, how to, um, you know, how to sort of get, understand the whole world of, of the whole world of certain athletes. Um, there's a lot of different people you have to get to know. And so Mm -hmm. I tried to do, I tried to do that. Um, at every stop I went to. Um, I thought covering high school sports, honestly, was very good for preparing you to just like get your feet dirty and do a lot of work. I think, I think in, when you, when you cover professional sports, you can get, you can forget that there's a lot that you can do by yourself. And there's a lot that you can, you don't need the help of somebody else to find or to do. And, you know, when we covered high schools, it was everything, you're doing everything on your own. You're keeping your own stats. You're, you're, no, you know, like you're finding all your own people, like no one's, no one else is thinking about who to make available for you. So, um, that, that was really good training. I felt like for learning how to, learning how to be self-sufficient for reporting. Definitely. I think, uh, in what you said is, is, is really true with covering high school sports, because oftentimes when you're you get to the professional level, I forget this sometimes, but when I was covering high school, they were eager to talk to you. They were more excited to talk yeah. to you. They're like, "Oh, a camera's in my face. Am I going to be on the news? Am I going to be in the newspaper? Yeah. I mean, so that's a lot different than guys that are like, do we have to talk to you today? You know, um, yeah. in pro sports. But um, I think, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very interesting that these different stops have kind of all been an amalgamation of where you are today. Um, what was the transition like from NFL to NBA? I mean, obviously they're both, you know, two of the top three sports in, you know, the United States, but just curious of what the biggest differences were besides obviously the sport, um, in covering those two. Yeah. Uh, 
there, there are a lot of differences. I think the NBA is so much more player driven. Um, and I got to know a lot of NFL players really well. And there's, there's so many more guys in the locker room. Mm -hmm. So fewer of them feel like it's like superstars, I guess, because mm -hmm. there, there just are more of them. And so, um, they, I, th I felt like a lot of the people in that, that I covered in football, they would appreciate when, you know, they're not the, maybe like, they're not the quarterback. So they're not, they're not doing like the once a week press conference thing, but you want to get to know them and you want to tell their stories. And so there, there, that was, that was a little bit of a different aspect to it. Um, there is the, there's one game a week in football. The schedule is so much different in the NBA. Um, I got a dog when I covered football and I was like, Oh, this is so hard. I'm gone eight weekends. Every other weekend I'm gone. Now it's like, I'm gone for 15 days and then I come home for four and then I'm back on the road for another four. And so it's harder to, it's harder to manage your personal life when you're, um, when you're, uh, covering, uh, basketball, covering the NBA in particular. Um, you know, and then I think another difference is you're just around everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you go to a Laker game and there are so many people from in the industry that are just constantly there. Um, in football, it was a little bit different. You didn't see everybody all the time. So there are different kinds of challenges because when everybody's around you all the time, you have to sort of balance how often you talk to someone, how often you try to talk to someone. Whereas when you only have one shot to do it, you have to think less about it because you just, you just go for it. Yeah. I think you brought up a lot of great points. Um, one of the questions I have is, what do you think has been most successful in building relationships with both players and then, you know, the people, like you said, the, the characters around the team, um, you know, at the Laker games, we see everybody, you know, um, and any given day it could be Denzel Washington, Will Ferrell, Jack Nicholson, all these, you know, celebrities that you grow up watching or that you've, you know, had some kind of interaction with at some point in time. So how do you develop, you know, relationships and, and keep those, you know, especially being a woman in the industry as well? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, one of my first, one of my first games, I think maybe the first game I covered, yeah, it was the first game. my first season in 2016 when uh, the Lakers were, the Lakers beat the Rockets and they had no business doing it. I remember Denzel was there and he came right up to the four of us sitting in the front of the press row. And he said, he said, we need a shooter. What, what's this? Ray Allen? Has anyone signed Ray Allen? And I, and we said, no, I don't think so. Not unless it's happened in the last five minutes. And he's like, it's okay. I'll call him. He's my son. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I've never, this is not an experience that I've had with any other team I've covered. Um, like in Houston, it was like, Houston, there were some things like that, like, mm -hmm. but not like this. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's, it's cool to see. Um, you know, I think for me, like the main thing to, it's, you, you want to get to know the people that are the closest to the players. Mm. Um, and so, and you can't really force it is what I've learned. You just have to kind of be yourself and hope that the people who you're talking to respond to that. And, yeah. um, I think also it's important to just to like try to do your job with integrity so that when they, so that the people you interact with respect that. And when you need their help, they're willing to help you because they feel like you're doing the job the right way. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I've learned 
early on covering such a major team and brand um, with, you know, earning players trust and also being faced with challenges in the moment that you have to make a split decision. And if you make, you know, a bad one that it could really tarnish either your reputation or, you know, your rapport with the people closest to the players or the actual players themselves. Can you remember a time when you felt uh, like you were challenged by either something that you reported or that um, you were faced with one of those, you know, kind of like split decision moments where you had to decide, you know, what the best course of action was in your reporting? Um, hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there have been a lot of situations where you wonder, you know, like you, you, I mean, I, I think every reporter second guesses whether or not they should have done something a certain way or mm-hmm. tried a different way. Um, you know, when you're getting to know early in this, in the early stages of getting to know guys, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you don't know how they're going to respond to being approached a certain way. Um, you know, pretty early on, uh, pretty early on when, when Anthony Davis was first with the Lakers, I, I remember approaching him about something and he didn't know me and I didn't know if it, I didn't know if he would respond to it. I don't know if it would work. And he, he kind of was a little, he kind of was taken aback that I, that I was approaching him to, told me that they wasn't doing media that day. And, and it's, it's sort of, I think it's, oh, it's been a process. I mean, he's, it's been a, it's, it's always a process of getting to know the guy because he, what I learned about him is that he's, he has a very dry sense of humor. He likes to, um, he likes to kind of have, understand like what his obligations are. And then he also, as he gets to know people more, he, he opens up and he Mm -hmm. gets, he, he's willing to sort of, uh, work with you on different things. Um, every guy is different though. So, um, you know, I think, I think you just learn, you learn on the go. I remember after that happened, though, I was like, oh no, he's never going to talk to me again. <laughs> but that was obviously not, I mean, I think I, I'm the kind of, uh, there are plenty of times where you think that, right? But yes. It's usually not true. It's usually that you know, you don't know what somebody's, you don't know what somebody's day was like. You don't right. Know what, <laughs> I think, I think that's like a big lesson that I've learned is like, I used to take things very personally, like, oh, this person did this because they don't like me. Yes. No, it's usually, it's usually something was happening in the moment. Something. It usually has nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely have learned that as well as like not to take things personally, because there's been some times when you, when you ask, you know, the Russell Westbrooks or, you know, some guys that are just not in the mood and you're like, Oh, you just get chewed up and spit out, you know, but like, you're welcome to the major leagues. And, you know, like you said, you just have to brush it off your shoulders and keep it going. I actually wanted to really focus on, you know, the Lakers now because you recently were on a um, joint press conference with some of the, or conference call rather, with some of the other beat reporters and um, LeBron, uh, I think, was made available. What were some of the the major takeaways? Obviously, we can go to Twitter and follow you there, but what were some of the major takeaways and what was his general mood um, on on the call? Well, I think we, we did um, LeBron in the afternoon and we had Rob Palenka in the morning. And, like, I think both of them were kind of, like, I wouldn't say that, that like, I think with a lot of people talking to media is, like, a necessary evil. I mean, not that they, it, it's just, it's it can be, like, a stressful thing, especially for someone like LeBron who everything he says 
yes. and parsed and blown and you know blown up and yes. you know, who knows how he's always saying things like I don't think you're going to take it out of context but you know how people get with things I say right so I so but I did feel with both of them like there was kind of a oh this is nice I get to do this again yeah <laughs> like they get to they get to you know take these questions and like like see people that were just part of their routine and yeah some kind of normalcy and all the craziness yeah for LeBron in particular like seeing us constantly I'm sure there were plenty of times where he's like sick of us but he also <laughs> it's also part of his routine yes so he was, like he was teasing different reporters he um he teased uh, our my friend Bill Oram about his beard. He was like, "I feel like we got good chemistry right now with the beard." <laughs> um, Love it. He was, you know, the, like he was, he was, he seemed to be in pretty good spirits. I think, I think they've reached a point right now where everyone just, uh, I mean, at least with him, I felt like he'd reach, he's reached a point where he just hopes that this can, hopes that they can play basketball again, however yeah. that looks. But I also think that there is an understanding that it might not they might not be able to finish. Yeah, I mean, you've covered the team for enough time to have seen, you know, just just a year ago, we were not talking about, you know, being anywhere close to the top of the Western Conference, anywhere close to a winning record. You know, it was, it was just a completely different um, story. And this year, it looked like their chances of returning to what LeBron promised, you know, when he got here was really... Um, maybe the best bet that they had yet. So I know that there were headlines about, you know, him saying that he wouldn't have closure if, you know, the the season ended. But was there a sense of, you know, just disappointment that this could be the, you know, the closest he got to another championship or, or anything like that from either Palenka or, or um, LeBron? Yeah, I mean, LeBron, he, w- he was kind of asked that based off of a question about something Palenka said, which was mm-hmm. Palenka had said that um, – that he really hopes that the Lakers get a chance to finish what they started. And, you know, the underlying thing there is that they're not fully saying is that they felt like this is a championship team. They felt like, like yes. the, the, the Clippers, I feel like, have been much more open about saying they feel like they're the best. Yes. Um, uh, the Lakers haven't, I mean, JaVale said that after they beat the Clippers. But other than that, I think most of them have been a little more cautious. They've said, we feel like we can do it. We just have to do it now. We're not going to talk about it, that kind of thing. But they, in their hearts, they really felt like they had it. Um, and they, I mean, there's plenty of proof that proof of that on the basketball court. So, like, there's especially think, right before the the season exactly, was shut down, pretty pretty much. I think yeah, that they were. I do think he was disappointed. I do think he's he. It, it's kind of they don't want to put too much emphasis on that because this is a really serious situation, and right, there are people dying and there are people losing their jobs. And yes. There's, you know, they don't want to make it seem like, oh, we're we're the victims because the, we're not playing basketball. Right. Well, there's there is a sense of, I mean, this was the Lakers' chance. It's been so many years since they were even in the playoffs. Yes. Now that's at least delayed. I mean, probably I I shouldn't say that because there's some hope, I guess, that they could do figure something out. But even if they do, they're not going to be able to play a full right. They're not going to be able to finish the regular season right. and full playoffs. Yeah. So, I'm- I mean, that was, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about. Kuz, I've been watching all his TikTok videos, but this was the first playoff appearance he was going to, you know, have. And so I'm curious from your perspective, after the young core that was Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, 
um, Lonzo, those guys went to New Orleans. It was Kuz left of that young core. And I wonder, from your perspective, how do you think he has adjusted to his new role, and where do you think he was when the season kind of, like, came to a halt? I think it's a, it's, it's, it, there is a challenge that comes with adjusting to that because he's now, I mean, there, essentially there, Anthony Davis plays his position. Yes. Um, so. Which is what Brandon awesome. essentially experienced last year with LeBron. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it, it's, it's a, I think it's, um, it's something that he's, he's not used to being, he's not used to being in a position where, um, there aren't, they're not looking for so many opportunities to create for him to score. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more having to come in the flow of the game, and that's not something that he's as used to. Um, so I think those were things that he had to adjust to. But he also, his defensively, he's been someone that's talked about that for a few years, and, mm-hmm. and being suddenly being like the young guy on the team. He, he was He's never... I shouldn't say, I think before it was, everybody was young. Right. So there was no, like, it wasn't like he was the kid. And yeah. Everybody, like, he was older than most of his teammates because he spent four years in college. Mm-hmm. So for now, it's like, there's all these guys who've accomplished so much. I mean, him and Cruz are the only ones who've never been to the playoffs. Yes. So I think that's been a really big change for him. And I think that he's had to learn how to, he's had to learn how to, um, how to navigate that and how to not worry about feeling overshadowed. And I don't think he has been overshadowed. Um, and those have all been, those are all, those kind of all fit into the picture. I think at the point of the season when it was ending is he was playing really, really solid defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that that was probably the fact that he was able to show that and people were noticing that and people were impressed by that. I think that was a tough thing. That's probably a tough thing for the break to be happening then, but it's like that with all the Lakers. They were, they had such momentum. Yes. I mean, they beat the Clippers and the Bucks and they were about to play the Rockets. Yes. So yeah, they did lose to the Nets, but like if you beat in the the midst of all those really difficult games, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think it, you know, I, it's, it's crazy to think that that was a month ago. <laughs> I know. I was on morning meetings for my job at Uninterrupted, and that was the, it's four weeks to the day since we started quarantining. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it's four weeks. That's crazy because, yeah, the, the season was like, it was the 12th of March that, you know, it officially was um, suspended. ask you about uh, your your call with Rob was there any talk towards free agency or um, there were a couple rumors that have come out over this quarantine period of like the re-signing of Dwight Howard over Boogie or things like that even though we saw Boogie still you know around the team once he was waived officially um, so was there any talk of the draft free agency or anything of that nature um we only talked about it in the sense that we uh we talked about how how the job was changing in terms of those things. Right. Um, the NBA has obviously set certain limits uh, on certain limits on like what what teams can do right now, just to yeah. make it fair. Because in certain, not every state has shut down, so they've got to make it fair for everybody. Right. Um, so they're not really allowed to. They're not allowed the same in person meetings that they were before. Um, so the draft the draft is going to change a lot. Um, one thing that Rob said was, and again, like I think there's so much consciousness of of wanting to 
wanting to show that they understand that there are people that this crisis is affecting. Women. Absolutely. Because Rob kept saying, he was like, every day I think about, I, you know, I, I think about, and I pray for the people that are the most affected by this, but then we have an obligation to keep working mm-hmm. because we have, we don't know what, the, what it's going to look like, but eventually we will get back to basketball and we have an obligation to be ready for that. So, um, you know, I think that's why he's trying to keep his days busy with figuring out what that will look like. Um, the draft is not that important for the Lakers. No, the no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I do think that this also probably gives them a little more time to figure out because we don't, I, one thing the NBA is going to have to figure out too is like, what does, when does the next league year start? Right. Because that is a major question we've talked about. It, it probably can't be July 1st. No. Um, so you're gonna have summer league like unless they decide unless they decide that it's over right but even still I feel like that would just be so weird to start in I mean it it also just depends on how the the country progresses with you know um this but which is you know one of the things I really wanted to touch on is this season started with adversity with the whole China situation it continued when you know the death of Kobe and you know that was one of the other things I was thinking I was like man Rob can't catch a break you know um and has to still do a job you know so I my you know thoughts and prayers are with him but and then we progressed to like a month later dealing with the entire NBA just being shut down what have you learned from covering this season and what do you think are the general sentiments just of the team um as to how this last, you know, uh, wrench has kind of, you know, just been, or curveball has been, you know, for all of, to deal with for all of them. You know, this is, this one is so so different from the other ones because when they had, they've been able to go through all those other things together. Right. When they had, when they were stuck in China and they were in this situation where they, they didn't know. They didn't know what could happen. They didn't know if like they were they could be kept there. They didn't know like if they were losing money. They didn't know if they were going to be playing. All that stuff. They couldn't work out that much, but they were together. Yeah, like, they spent time together, and they that like they started the bonding process then. And then when Kobe died, I think that was a situation that also it helped them to be together. It was really difficult for a lot of guys on different levels, right. um, but they sh- they all shared the same experience of being on the plane together and mm-hmm. seeing and hearing the news and crying together and and um, then having to be part of all those tributes. I mean that that was something they went through together, and then they got to play basketball and get their minds off of things. There, none of you can't do right now. This is this is something that they can't, no one can like really get away from. Right. You can't be with people to help you deal with it. Um, and so it's different. And, and the other thing is through everything else that happened this year, there was this sense of, well, this is still, the championship is still, is still there in front it's of the us. It's the payoff. Is, that's the payoff for all of this. Exactly. Yes. And now it's, you don't even know if that's going to, if that's going to be there through no fault of their own. Yes. It's not that they, it's not that something went wrong with the chemistry on the team or right. chemistry with the coaching. It, everything was going great for them, but they still might not 
they still might not get it this year. And they had also added some new pieces. They had added, you know, one of the Morris twins, and they also added Dion Waiters, who didn't even get a chance to play um, before. Have you had a chance to speak with him at all? And uh, how do you think he would have fit into the Lakers had he been able to finally, you know, uh, suit up and, and play a couple minutes out there? Yeah, I mean, it's I, somebody tweeted yesterday, like, I just remembered the Lakers signed Dion Waiters. Yes. Like, it's like, yeah, that seems like such a world away. And I remember yes. the last time we were talking to Frank at that last press conference when we were standing, like, six feet away from yes. him, <laughs> yeah. questions from there. Yes. One thing we were asking was, like, when will Dion be available? Mm-hmm. And it was, like, probably not until the pl- – I mean, he didn't say probably not until the playoffs, but it felt a lot like it would be right about – it would be right about now. Yes. He'd be playing when he'd be – he'd have gotten ramped up and been able to do five-on-five because five he hadn't played all year. So, yes. Um, I saw somebody – somebody in my – I don't even remember. Somebody in my mentions was saying, like, oh, this is going to be great for him. Like, now he get now he can get up to speed. And I was like, well, no. Without yeah. having any time with his teammates on the court? I don't know about that. Yeah, he can't play any five-on-five. Five. He can't He can't get in basketball shape right yeah. now. Um, so, you know, I think the Lakers thought he could help them. They thought he could – you know, they, they, they liked his, his shooting ability. They mm-hmm. liked uh, his fit on the team. But I don't – I mean, who knows if they're ever actually going to see that. Uh, what's been your favorite storyline of the season so far? Um, and, and if it was to end today, what would have what been your favorite um, moment and then also storyline from the season? Um, hmm. Um, my favorite storyline, um, that's a tough one. (laughs) Or also, I guess, what, would you say that there's one piece that you've written over this season or over the last few seasons that you were really especially, like, proud of, like, you know, show to the moms or, you know, the parents like, yeah, you did you read the last <laughs> one? Cause it was good. Um, is there any yeah, story that you were especially proud of? story I had fun writing. Um, I, I've had a couple of them that it, this year has been really weird from a reporting perspective. It's been really hard to do that kind of stuff. Because yes. It's been crisis, one crisis after <laughs> yes. another. Um, or how you've dealt with crisis. I mean, that could be, yeah, you've just you been know? writing about the, the, crises yeah the Dwight storyline has been great yes that's what comes to mind that didn't come into my mind right away but Dwight has just been such a such a I covered Dwight in Orlando so I I remember um seeing Dwight and my job at the time was I was like that this is so long ago that I was the internet person and (laughs) so after when all the when all like the newspaper people had to go and like write their deadlines, Dwight yeah. would take so long to get dressed. Oh, so similar to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he would take so long to get dressed that I and we would like sit there waiting for him to like like fix his bow tie and brush his hair <laughs> and like I everyone else had to leave and I could sit there and wait and I would sit there every after every game and be like I'll I'll stay here as long as you can as long as I as long as you make us and um so anyway i he i remember his personality back then and, mm-hmm. and i i covered him before things started getting harder for him it, like yes. in terms of how the league was receiving him and um all the problems he had in orlando i covered him before that mm-hmm. um before he had the difficult season in la and so when i saw him this year it was a very different kind of person 
um, that I saw. And um, I, it's been nice to see that, that this is just, it's, it's just gone smoothly. Yeah. Like he, he is having fun and so he still has that in him. He still is like, he's still showing that he like, likes to be goofy and all that stuff, but he's also doing exactly what the Lakers need on the court. Period. And so that's, and, and he's not, I mean, I think a lot of people were just like, when is he, it's just a matter of time. When's he going to screw up? But he's not, he just hasn't. Um, and because he's really embraced his role, he's embraced like what he's trying to do. Um, you know, a lot of people were really skeptical when he said, I have no ego. <laughs> and he's, he's done, he's played without an ego. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to fit in with another big man who's starting, you know, in a position where he, yeah, I don't think he's, you know, gone many places where he hasn't started, you know, at that position. So, and he, like you said, when he walked in at media day, I was like, I don't believe him. I don't believe him. But, you know, he has shut everyone up. And I think um, one of the, the bright spots for me has been to, I think maybe you were his good luck charm in, in that way that, you know, just he just needed to be back around Tanya to, you know, to shine again. But um, I also, we have another phenomenon in that locker room. Well, plenty of them, but one of them is the Russo. Alex Caruso is an absolute fan favorite. Uh, what can what insights can you give to people who want to hear more about Alex Caruso, the, the player and the person? Yeah, that was that was gonna be. I was gonna pick that, but then I was like, that's too obvious because everybody <laughs> picks that. Yeah, um, it's been cool to see Alex be very uh, like really f- show that he that that he's not a novelty. I mean, mm. and I don't mean to say that like I thought he was a novelty. I just think like he has been viewed that way. Yeah, like, people just thought he was like this fun story and like like oh my god, he dunked and right. Like, They'll still get asked sometimes, like, can you believe it when you do that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is part of my game. I've been yeah. working at it. <laughs> like, he's so, he's, he's just very, like, he comfortable, he's just very comfortable with, like, what he has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always known that, like, defense has been one of his biggest, one of the, the things that he's, he's had the most to offer to the team. Yeah. Um, and to, to any team. And, and that that would be something that would get him on an NBA roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that he's, I think he's, I think it was, it's I it's not an easy it's not easy to stick with the G League and to stick with um, no it's not to stick with it and and believe that you're going to eventually make it onto a roster and stick there yeah yeah and he and he did it and he he didn't didn't complain at least I mean I'm sure he shared his frustrations with his teammates and with right. his friends and, right um, probably with Kobe Carl his G League coach but um, but with with publicly he just kind of just said, I'm going to do what I can. And, and every, you know, everybody's really embraced him in that locker room. And I think like, if you're not, I I think it says something to have um, the respect of the the leaders in the locker room because, because LeBron is LeBron wants to feel like he can, he, he can help people who maybe don't have it, but he also, he also wants to see that you have the same level of commitment that Mm -hmm. you have, you know, like you have what it takes. And yeah. I think in, he sees some of that in Alex Crusoe, like the willingness to work really hard and, um, you know, the talent that he has. Yeah. Um, LeBron. Covering LeBron is something that I don't think many people understand that while he is like seems like a really 
fun person on social media and um you know we have our moments where we're laughing and joking in the locker room he can also you know light a fire under you and, and demand that same excellence that he demands of his teammates to the reporters uh, what would you say was your breakthrough moment with LeBron you spoke a little bit about that with AD but what, what would you say has been like your what was your breakthrough moment with him I've I've um I, LeBron's been really good to me um I and this is I just try to be around, you know, like he, there's a lot of things that he does that are important to him and that I think are mm-hmm. important to cover also. Mm-hmm. Um, the school that they opened in, um, in Akron, I made sure to go to that. Um, I made sure to sort of wh- whenever I could, I mean, we knew that LeBron was maybe coming yes. <laughs> before a little while. Yes. So I tried to be around as much as possible just so he could see, he could sort of see that I was, I was there, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and, and I feel like I that's think, understated that that's half the battle sometimes is just being around and being there yeah, at some of these things. Yeah. yeah. And I think that then I like, I think he, he appreciates the people. He appreciates the, how he appreciates how much work like a beat writer puts into it. Yes. How, how much you have to be like how, how much traveling there is and the fact that you're not traveling on a charter. Like I think he understands like a lot of people have a lot of pressure put on them to, to write about him and like it's mm-hmm. a lot of it is based on him and so he he sort of gets that and I've always appreciated that he does get that and that he's um as you know as I think it's just like any human like if you treat him with respect and he feels like you're but if you treat him with respect and you also are are, are like real with him I think that that means a lot to him um I don't know if I had a breakthrough moment I do I do feel like I I for a while I was just like getting the one word answers from him yeah. or my first year covering him. And then I remember there was some question I asked him. I forget. I don't even remember who the player was. It was about somebody else on the team. Mm-hmm. And he gave me like a good answer. And I remember one of the other reporters was like, Hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but over the, over the past couple of years, I felt like, you know, we've, I've, and, and all the other reporters that cover him on a day to day basis, like we've been able to, um, you know, he, have enough respect from him that we can approach him and say like, Hey, I'm working on this. Can you help? Can I have a couple minutes? Yeah. Um, you know, we can, we can have a conversation with him, which is really important. I think like, I think that the one thing that players, a lot of players do understand and some players don't is that if you can have a conversation with a reporter or the two of you are just talking about something mm-hmm. and that takes time to develop a relationship where you can have that. And that's, why the locker room is so important (laughs) for reporters and for players is because once you can have those kinds of conversations between a player and a reporter, um, you can understand things about these guys and you can understand where they're coming from on certain things Mm -hmm. and everything's not combative and everything's not a battle. And so I, um, you know, like there's, it's helpful that reporters who have covered LeBron over the years are able to have those kinds of conversations with him. Um, and and uh, sort of understand this very unique life that he lives and this yeah. very unique position that he's in. Um, that's, I mean, I, that 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 is the right way to use unique because there's nothing like it. Like there's nobody else who is as scrutinized, yes. who lives the kind of life that he does, who's who's got as much power as he does. Um, so it's been it's been a really it's been a great experience to cover him. I mean, it, it's something that I'm never gonna 
it's something that I'm never going to experience again because it's it's just very different from uh, from it's very different from anyone else I think yeah shout out to Dave and Allie who've been doing it for years um, yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely lean on them when it comes to LeBron and it's funny because you spoke about his you know unique positioning and I actually am a podcast producer at Uninterrupted which is his media company with Mav and then also yeah. you know I'm covering him at games so I kind of see the you know from, from firsthand perspective, his two different sides of like the businessman and the entrepreneur and the philanthropist and then the player and, you know, one of the greatest players ever. Um, I'll close out by just asking you if there's one thing that you would want people to know about you and your job um, as a, the Lakers beat reporter for the LA Times, what would that be? Um, I think the thing that people don't, don't, I think the thing that I wish people understood more is that our job is not to, um, our job is just to cover the team, to tell you what's happening and share what's going on. Um, it's not, I'm not part of the team. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, it's, <laughs> that's something that I think just like a, a, most people don't really, I, I get a lot of people saying like, Oh, I'm sorry. Saying, saying like you guys when it comes to the team, you know, I try to, I, 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 uh, as a reporter, like you just, you just want to be fair to everyone and you want to be accurate. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's, that, that is the one thing I guess that I wish people understood, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great job to have. And it's, it's been, it's been a really cool thing to, to sort of see see this team and see how how it's grown and changed. <laughs> yeah, I think I've had so many people say like, "Oh yeah, she works for the Lakers," and I'm like, yeah. "No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Trust yeah. me, yeah, I would be dunked on in gear every day if I did, but I don't." <laughs> but anyways, okay, so Tanya, I really appreciate you being so gracious with your time during this quarantine. I hope that you and your family are safe, and I have just enjoyed learning from you and observing you as one of the only other women in the locker room on a consistent basis. You've been a peer mentor, whether you know it or not, I'm paying attention. Um, and so I want to close out by asking where the people can find you and follow all of your Lakers content. Yeah, um, most of it's on Twitter, uh, Tanya Ganguly, T-A-N-I-A-G-A-N-G-U-L-I, and I'm also on Instagram, but that's mostly food. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good balance. That's my life these days, yeah. quarantining and trying not to eat the entire house. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just finished my ice cream for the day. <laughs> so anyways, awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Tanya. And hopefully the season does resume so I get to see you in person and I'll give you all the hugs. Well, social distancing <laughs> for now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Okay, appreciate it. <laughs>